Hello and welcome back to Shelf Life, your podcast for all the best games you love to play. My name is James. My name is Zach. I'm, I'm Wyatt. And if you remember me from other podcasts we've done in the past, Kylo Spren, I suppose. It's it's like a it's like a nerd, you know, it's like a nerd inside of a nerd reference. It's pretty great. <laughs> I think if, if they made candy nerds that were also inside of nerds, I would be so much fatter than I am right now. I think they do. Well, there's there's nerd like jelly beans. There's like nerd coated jelly bean candy. It's actually like and like delicious. the nerd rope. Ah, dude, I love nerds. Yeah. Let's make a Wonka podcast. Get all this board game nonsense. I, I'm totally down. I think we would need to spend more hours a week preparing, though. And <laughs> I'm just like, I'd be really into that prep work. Yeah. yeah that's good. That's good. I'm trying Spe- to quit candy, guys. Speaking of prep work, okay, let the record show that James did quit turkey, or quit turkey? Cold turkey. He quit turkey candy. Cold candy. He quit candy for many years five and years. for his bachelor for, his, for five years and for his bachelor party we like made this big deal about how we were gonna have like a, a raucous good time as we a problem you know we already got permission from his fiance and all we had done was we bought him a bag of candy it was just this giant joke two bags. and you know what two bags two bags of candy the second bag is what forced him off the wagon <laughs> and he's been trying to quit ever since <laughs> It's been a year, people. Been, I, I, a lot of, for a lot, of, I was like, for a while, I was like, no, let's just, uh, let's. Just, I'm just gonna eat candy when I when I want. And then I was like, I'm also just like spending more money than I like just spending, just buying candy. <laughs> I don't know because I don't drink coffee or anything either. So it's like I don't, you know, go out and work and like spend four, five, four or five bucks on something. And then I'm like, I'm kind of doing that. And then I was like, yeah, I'm definitely feeling feeling bad um and then i was like all right once a month and then i was like okay this is fine and then i went to my friend's house in seattle and i weighed over 150 for the first time in like ever and i was like i gotta stop candy forever um, wow and now i'm over 150 <laughs> i didn't realize you were a twig of a man our entire relationship <laughs> <laughs> that's how i that's how i can outrace zach that's the only reason i can outrace zach on, on also the only reason the only reason i'm slow at frisbee is because i have 80 pounds on both of you this makes way more sense it's <laughs> uh, true James just really, really enjoys having like ten pounds on me, and he just can't can't let it go. Uh, yeah. So uh, thank you guys for returning to us uh, here at Shelf Life, and this is Frosthaven episode two. Um, in case you clicked on this by accident, so we're going to be going into more of the Frosthaven Kickstarter, a few other things we notice, and then we're going to be doing an overview uh, of our hands-on impressions of the six starting classes, each of us have played two of them so we'll go one two three one two three small and caveat I, here i'll go for it zach uh, i was gonna say and i think one interesting thing is we have like one class that we think very positively about and one class that we think less positively about for each of us except maybe james i'm not i'm not sure yeah i like both my classes <laughs> Yeah, I think that's fair. One one caveat is like, okay, so so we used to do the Star Wars Destiny podcast, which technically we're still doing, just you know, on a intermittent, maybe never again basis. <laughs> and um, the thing about that is, we played a lot of the Star Wars Destiny competitive card game uh, either online or in person every week. And so when we sat down to podcast, it was like, how do we cram all the thoughts we've had in the last two to three to four weeks into this episode? And I have forgotten how hard it is to prepare for knowledge on something that you're not naturally all the time <laughs> so uh this episode and other episodes may take more time than our previous uh just release schedule because we have to actually learn things now <laughs> which is a whole lot different from just talking about things we love and already know about and only two of the three of us are good at learning things so 
It's not me. I'm not that one. <laughs> I I did name names. We, we weren't going to say anything. Why? We were going to let you have it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that, but I, I want to be honest here. So what we want to do is for uh, the first part of this uh, episode. Just earlier we talked about the uh, the Kickstarter. We recorded right when the Kickstarter started, and now we're just a few days from the end of the Kickstarter. And there's kind of a couple fun milestones to talk about and celebrate for everyone in the community. So uh, in the spirit of capitalism, I'll kick off. The first exciting thing is. Uh, was it Frosthaven is now the eighth most kickstarted project ever on Kickstarter? Uh, they're the number two board game trying to go for number one, oh, so that's pretty fun. Number one is like 12 something million. I didn't check the Kickstarter before we started. I'm bad at this, but I feel like it's kind of out of reach at this point. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, they've, they've been doing really well in the last few days, so you know, it maybe it doesn't happen, but all that to say that it's pretty cool. What is the number one? Exploding Kittens. Uh, no, they already passed Exploding Kittens. It was uh, Kingdom Death May Die, which is the game I wanted no, to no, get no, us no. into I and it, I realized I, I didn't have reversed. $500. No, no they, they explicitly passed Exploding Kittens two days ago. No, I actually think it's reversed. I think the Kingdom Death whatever is eight eight something million, and Exploding Kittens is up there at 12. All right, so while they keep talking, I'm going to go find out if I'm right. Uh, yeah, so the Kickstarter is coming to a close. As you said, very impressive numbers. Um, I've been I've been loving, personally, the... We talked about this, um, being excited for it, and I've been giving it a try, the, the daily puzzles that are happening that you uh, they give you a challenge. You know, it's like, survive four rounds or, or kill the frost demon before round two or something like that. Um, that that would be terrifying. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> and they, uh, you know, looking at it more, I love the little little additions they make. Like they they tell you every round in advance what the monsters are going to do, and they make every modifier just default to a plus zero. So there's no randomness that you're going to run into. It's just a puzzle that you have to solve. And and I don't know. It, I, when I was first playing them, I was like, hmm, this isn't really Gloomhaven, and it's not right. It's not playing Gloomhaven, um, but it does sort of let you think outside the box, which I really liked, you know, and, and like if I had to, if I was a Gemini and I had to just survive a few more rounds or if it was like, okay, I have to kill this guy before this X round for a scenario, that's something that comes up all the time. So, you know, uh, of course, you're going to be hoping to rely on like your modifier deck and maybe some items and stuff, but even just having to think outside the box in your, uh, of your, and how to creatively use your cards to accomplish a goal has been has been fun for me. So nice, yeah, it seemed pretty fun. I saw that like I think it was yesterday or the day before. It was Isaac's birthday. Isaac, the creator of Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, pretty much unfamiliar, and uh, he his like staff or friends built him a total like scenario and custom class with like everything, like all nine levels, all the cards, the works, uh, and it's now available in the uh, TTS kick like uh, Frosthaven mod so if you haven't yet tried out tabletop simulator and some of like the daily puzzles or the scenarios that's what we've been doing it's pretty fun it's free if you have tabletop and i think like tabletop's on sale because we're in the uh, apocalypse <laughs> and uh yeah so it's it's worth checking out there's been a lot of fun stuff there i'm i'm curious to see if they're going to do any sort of like print and play with that i think that'd be really cool <laughs> to be able to you know if you got the files for it um i'm sure someone could already just you know rip what they have um out of tts but and and I, I'm also curious to see if it's it will be you know quote unquote allowed to play with Gloomhaven. I think from what I recall, Isaac and you know Cephalofair have been very lenient with allowing people to use you know custom classes. Not that there's anything that stops you, you know, but uh, still making it like an official play. I 
don't know. I, I think that sounds awesome. I mean, you told me it's like a headless horseman. <laughs> that's yeah, it's 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 pretty rad. It's like an adaptation of a boss from the first game that's been called like the Cephalia Fiend or something. Uh, also, I want to just take this moment, and this will be the first of a lot of moments in the podcast to talk about how I was right. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, because, the exploding because we look kittens. Here at, the, at the top ten, exploding kittens capped out at a uh, eight point seven million, All almost right. eight point eight right. uh, on uh, Kickstarter. Frosthaven, currently at 9.2, almost 9.3. And Kingdom Death May Die, the most funded board game of all time, because I checked this this week, you shouldn't have doubted me, was uh, <laughs> $12.4 million. So right. it's unlikely to get to the top, but uh, I think it's pretty impressive all the same. It's all right. Why would I have a bunch of bad takes later? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zach, I know you've been following this Kickstarter a little bit less closely. Anything, though, that you've seen or heard about that's exciting to you, or you want to just let us keep talking? I mean, mostly it's just kind of crazy to me that this is a sequel to a game that was the the number one board game ever. I, I don't know. Gloomhaven was huge. Um, but the fact that the sequel is uh, the number two board game on Kickstarter, that, that kind of makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is how did Exploding Kittens uh. get over $8 million in, I mean, in funding? It's a power of Let means, the man. Show. Like, yeah, another show. I think that the oatmeal and explaining kittens is great from from the target audience they were going for. So I don't begrudge them at all for their success. I mean, I'm just impressed. I just I had no idea. Oh, I mean, yeah, the the guys that run the oatmeal, that whole team is fantastic. They're running a convention actually down in Portland, or they were before everything got canceled. And when they resume it, I kind of want us to go because it's like fun play in person games not just like board games like the whole like throw throw burrito like that style of game but like a convention built around that type of interacting with people and having fun so it could Wait, be it could be worth a trip did they make throw throw burrito yeah dude because that game is a national treasure oh man we gotta we gotta up your your knowledge on the producers of games and who makes them if we're gonna make this show uh expertise <laughs> i i'm never the background guy i'm the Hey, here's mechanics, and uh, that makes sense to me. Zach's the everyman to make everyone who just tuned in <laughs> feel like they belong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, if you're the one who gets dragged to these really weird, complicated board games by all your friends, that's your Zach, all right? That's you. He's your Luke Skywalker. <laughs> just, just here to save everyone, and then sometimes maybe meet my dad. Okay, that clearly makes me Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, means that James is the guy that started out good and then went evil. I'm looking at you, Darth Vader. Uh, no, I'm a power converter. <laughs> Zach was uh, pining after me the entire time. <laughs> he never got his power converter, all right? It's true, he never did. I, I what, what is this podcast even about anymore? I'm so confused. Uh, so I'm going to... We played uh, we played uh, two of the three available demo scenarios for Frosthaven. I did hear I, I want to check. I, I think I've heard something about another one coming up, but in any case, um, and we each played a different character for each of our playthroughs. So we've each played two characters, and yeah, I think we can probably at this point go into it. But I, I think actually wait. Well. Hang on. No, hold on. We've got a couple things. So first off, last thing on the Kickstarter, uh, for anyone who's just interested, I have found Isaac's daily update emails slash just updates on the Kickstarter to be really engaging and fun. So if you're into the lore or want to know more and you're not already backed, I just go check out the Kickstarter, find the upgrade or the updates page and check those out. It's a lot of fun stuff. Um, another caveat, we when we next like go into this conversation we're about to have about the characters, that's going to be what we call a DEF CON is DEFCON go up or down? Is it ascending or descending? It's, it's, I really don't it's remember. It's ascending. 
So DEFCON Ascend, 5 yeah. is like bad. Yeah. Okay, so we're, this is a DEFCON 1, yeah. which is we're letting you know that we're going to talk about very limited spoilers, just the starter classes, our impressions on them, that sort of thing. If you want to know nothing, and then after this short break, which we're, gonna, we're not calling a short rest until we make up a Dundon Pond, whatever <laughs> game you do next, uh, we're going to have a short rest from our sponsors, which is me today. Uh, and then we're going to uh, go ahead and talk about these characters. So again, if you want to know nothing, bow out after the short rest. Uh, if you want to stick around, then uh, tell us what you thought in the comments so everyone can see the spoilers. I do, I do want to say one thing about the, about the kick, one more thing about the Kickstarter and all the updates. There's been a little bit of concern expressed, some of it genuine, some of it just laughing about the amount of like guest designers. Cause like each update, it's like, oh, it's a guest designer. And people are like, well, that's going to be like, it's, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a directionless game. You know, it's like there's going to be all over the place because it's going to be designed by a few things. Come on, guys. Like, there's more than 100 scenarios in both of these games. It, even if there was a, a guest designer every day, which, by the way, there hasn't been, it's 30 scenarios. So if it's like 150 scenarios, it's like, it's it's a portion of it. But, I mean, come on. The most of the game, the vast majority of the game is going to be designed and, and approved solely by Isaac, who has done a great job. So, And also, like... If you've got 150 scenarios, you expect only 100 max are like a main storyline and that you have 50 that are side quests and just like fun, fun extra things. Not only that, but like check out the list of guest designers. We've got like the creator of Gaia Project in here. There's so many excellent pedigree game designers that are involved in this that I'm not disappointed to play content made by some of these and i and i'm just saying isaac if you want a very popular very well known uh podcast we could design something we got ideas boom (laughs) (laughs) we have exactly two ideas james has them both (laughs) are you talking about both of my podcasts (laughs) that's right (laughs) all right uh Uh, yes short rest rest, and uh when that's done uh i don't know enter waiting music here We, we should come up with b-roll is that what is that what we do here no <laughs> no definitely okay, well, not <laughs> welcome uh so in this short rest uh i as somebody who is uh a, a a backer of this project by buying a lot of stuff we play i'm here to talk about stuff i bought that we're gonna play so one of the fun things that we envision for the shelf life podcast is we get to talk about some of the other games that are on our shelves the things that we are hoping to play haven't played yet and so to that end i want to just briefly talk about uh, the other things have kickstarted recently and how we're excited for them. So uh, on Kickstarter, there is a game that just wrapped up called Starlight. It is described as X-Wing meets Gloomhaven, uh, and it looks to be a ton of fun. Uh, so, so great. I'm so, like crazy excited about it. Yeah, just super, super excited. Uh, it met a bunch of its stretch goals. It's got all these different ships and pilots and a story and raid bosses. And I'm I'm thrilled. I don't think that's actually coming out until like 2021. Yeah, like so August 2021 saying, is what I heard. Yeah, this is just me saying I have spent money on a thing that we're eventually going to play and talk about, and I'm super thrilled. Um, the other one I just backed is called Ankh, Gods of Egypt. Uh, for anyone who's right. a fan, yeah, yeah, yeah. For anyone who's a fan of, um, was it Rising Sun or Blood Rage? Um, the uh, I'm trying to remember. Simon Games, I think, is the name of the people that produced that. I'm, I'm spacing on it, but um, just excellent, excellent designers. I think Eric Langdon. And I'm gonna feel bad about not knowing all the names. So, well, it's okay. It's all it's all big deal. That's but, uh, why I don't try to know. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But no, um, they're, they're, they're just a bunch of games that have the first one was Norse mythology. The second one was Japanese mythology. And the third one now is going to be Egyptian mythology. Each game has been different. They've had different mechanics, but really uh, they they get me at the purse string because they have so many little plastic minis. They're incredibly detailed and just so cool. So cool. So I've already backed at like the highest level to get all the minis ever. And also this game's interesting mechanic I'm thrilled about where uh, the gods are all vying for attention and devotion from believers and so as the game goes on and you have these combats like you're going to be in first second third or fourth whoever's in the last two spots at like the 70 percent mark or something in the game uh, they fuse into one god and they have to work together to stay competitive with the pantheon uh and i think that's a super fun mechanic that i'm excited for so uh a couple games on our radar also at some point hopefully soon here i think we're going to try and play uh, cthulhu death may die which is another game by that same creator um not connected to the other ones and like the series of, of god mythologies but it is a cooperative uh game here that we've got that i paid too much money for it sitting on my shelf so there's definitely material in other games that we're looking forward to sharing with you over the coming i don't know years i guess so stay tuned also uh funny story so be- because you're here listening to us podcast you you want the stories right um <laughs> absolutely so starlight starlight is uh, something that i uh got really really excited about was like we definitely need to do this now you may or may not have heard that wyatt is the one that backed it and that's because uh he's not married yet and, uh, <laughs> and we found that it is much easier for me to slip him money under the table <laughs> while he backs something versus uh, uh, me showing up with a board game that I've brought home to my wife. So, uh, and we can talk about this openly because she's never going to listen to this ever. But I'm never. worried because I mean she can't. She is just in the other room. I'm uh, presumably. <laughs> yeah, but she also she also uh, she she's well aware that this is the plan. I I was like, hey, we could buy this. I'm really interested in this, and she's like, or we could not. And I was like, what if Wyatt buys it and I give him money? And she was like, deal. So Absolutely. Everybody wins except for my landlord's shelf space, really. And, yeah. Your landlord's shelf space and me who kind of wanted on the game. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're now going to transition out of the short rest. Thank you for joining us. We'll hopefully have real commercials with uh, real sponsors one day. But for now, it's us. Um, Welcome back, everybody. What a fantastic guest star we well, just had talking. That was great. Uh, we're here. He, he was okay. I, I've had better. I've had several better, yeah. actually. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about our DEFCON 1 spoilers, which is we played through the first couple scenarios of Frosthaven on Tabletop Simulator, checking out this uh, expansion. We played all six of the starter classes, and we're just going to chat through initial impressions, our feel for them, what we liked, maybe didn't like, and what our hopes and thoughts are after seeing just the start of their kits and how they play uh so yeah take it away guys i'm, I'm gonna i just want to i'm gonna come out swinging i'm gonna hit everyone with with the hottest take that uh they're gonna hear um and that so i one of the classes i played was the geminate i actually played it also a bit in the uh, puzzle scenarios that were that were uh, on kickstarter um you know Isaac is is has been visibly irritated <laughs> whenever someone asks him, "Well, why'd you make the Geminator starter class? It's so complicated." And he's like, "Man, everyone everyone loves asking me that question." <laughs> and, and it comes up a lot. It's like, "Oh, Geminator, so it's 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 so complicated." Hot take. It's not. It's fine. Um it's 
it's really intimidating people because they're like, I have to have 14 cards and then I have to not, I have to worry about getting exhausted if I don't play, if I play the wrong cards. Um, it's all of that is avoidable. Um, one, one, you just, you take all the, all the left side cards and take all the right side cards and you just separate them. Then you have two hands. Um, and then you just really, there's some cool combos you can set up, but you, usually they do not require looking at one hand, more than one hand at a time. Like you will, there's the upper ability. It's an active one that makes it so you get plus one on the next four attacks or it's plus two if you're on the opposite side. So you set that up on one side on the same turn that you do a switch and then you just forget about that hand. Just forget about that hand until <laughs> until you want to switch to the next one. I don't know. It's like you have a lot of cards and yes, you. it's only seven. So you really in terms of like getting exhausted, but also not because you can just not switch. Um for the past and yeah if you ever are in a situation where you don't have enough cards to play because you accidentally put in the wrong and you know the wrong amount you can long rest you can always long rest and during a long rest the geminate lets you 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 can switch sides just arbitrarily you're just like i want to switch to this side now because i just long rested the the class is fine like it's it's really fun too like i, I had a lot of fun playing and i think there's some there are some cool combos that you can set up in between but again it doesn't really take all that much forethought now of course like you know, if you're if this is your first time playing Gloomhaven, don't play the class. You know, I mean that probably goes without without saying. I don't know. And, and like, I, if I can push back on that, I I was initially really intimidated by this class for all the reasons that have been brought up. Right, it's mm -hmm. a lot of cards. It's like got like a weird uh, what is that uh, dragon chasing its tail, black and white, yin yang. Got a weird <laughs> yin yang thing where you gotta switch between two styles. And really, as soon as you laid it out and you're like, yeah, I have two two hands of seven cards and I switch between them depending on what I'm doing it immediately felt a lot less intimidating and like the way tabletop handled it where you had actually two hands that you were separately managing yeah was really cool so i feel like actually anybody could pick it up and be fine like it is one of the starter classes it's not out of place it's going to be different it'll get your head in a different place but that's not a bad thing and that's not really different for a lot of the other classes and how they worked in the first game so, so yeah so, i mean a, a standard i want to bring up real quick zach is just a, a standard of evaluating these classes because we've talked about in the past like are they are these all these classes way more complicated than the than others and so the standard I, I think to myself is not not how easy it is for a class to just like to go off like there there are ones with really high skill skill ceilings um that you know it'll, it'll take a while to really master them but um i will classes that are i think complicated are the the ones that are really easy to fall in your face um really easy to, to get exhausted to die you know you lose your health you lose your cards whatever whatever uh, those are the classes that you want to try to avoid have people avoid on the first playthrough so yeah i mean I, I guess i do agree like you know you could play this one and not fall on your face if it's your first time playing playing gloomhaven so or, or in this case frosthaven um yeah so but yeah so i i would kind of i i definitely agree with wyatt in that um after it was laid out as two separate hands i was like oh never mind this is fair um and and not that complicated and then the fact that long resting lets you switch, that's your get out of jail. If you totally mess up and just uh, just just mess everything up, well, guess what? You can go to the other side and and you're you're honestly in good shape. I it's not the easiest class of these six, uh, but I would put it <laughs> in the it. in the, uh, but I wouldn't I would put it in the top half of the easy classes. That's fair. Like. Yeah. I, I think I think there are three classes that are definitely harder. So 
the 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 key combo that I really like, um, and maybe maybe I'm playing this too. I don't know, too wild because you only get two seven card hands. But uh, y- I think you choose one of the persistent abilities that give you four of um, either bonus attack or bonus shield. So I think you pick one of those two, and you get to use it twice because you also have a lost card that lets you recover a lost card. It's like a move two and then recover one lost card. So um, you set up one of those to give you plus two attack um, and th- by switching to the other side. And then, yeah, once it's once you use it all up, you recover it, and then you're hitting hard for the majority of the game. You're not hitting like I don't know, drifter hard or anything. We'll go there, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a that is a good like starter combo that'll get you set up and make you feel pretty good while you're playing it. And even if you do have to switch back and just get get a plus one shield or a plus one attack for a turn or two, that's fine. Uh, yeah, overall, I thought that it was a pretty cool class. Like, I like the idea behind it. I don't think it's overly complicated or anything like that. But it is. It did seem pretty fun. Um, so I thought overall, positive feelings about that class. Agreed. And like it. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with some of the lore, harrowers are like bug people, and so this is specifically like two bug colonies in the same body that are like vying for control which is why you're splitting between the two, which I think is a pretty fun, uh, like, you know, world building and um, flavorful reason to have this yin and yang style character. So uh, it's it was cool. Definitely a favorable impression for me as well. Any closing thoughts, James? Um, Not much else. Uh, I mentioned that combo. I was going to mention Harrowers, so I'm glad you did. I think that's a, it's a it's a cool uh, little faction there. I think, um, I think you need to be careful about... So... You need to be careful about using lost cards, especially losing cards that have the switch symbol on it. You probably want to avoid that at all costs, uh, just because you want to have lots of options to switch if you need to. Um, and you really have to make sure you have enough moves and attacks. <laughs> That's something you can easily uh, you can go to like one side and realize, oh, I don't have a lot of moves on the left side, or, or I don't have enough attacks on the right side, or vice versa. So, I mean, there's some there's some a fair amount of pre-planning to go in that goes into it and should go into it if you want to play it optimally, you know, min-max it. But uh, once you're actually playing, you're going to do fine. Like, you got this. All right, Zach, take us away. What do you want to talk about next? Oh, I want to to talk about my good buddy, the Drifter. Oh, look. Uh, (laughs) I want to talk about the... First, tell me about the Inox. Just tell me me about who this guy is. He is, (laughs) like, I don't know. A goat person that <laughs> is kind of lame. Zach, Zach was never, I guess, one for the flavor or flair of this game. The Inox are like, yeah, they're, I guess, kind of orcs goat characters for like lack of a definite uh, comparison or like trolls. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they, they feel the like kind of bruisery, low intelligence, high strength, uh, tanky style character normally. There's a couple fun ones in the first game, and here we are with one as one of the starting classes in this game. Uh, so yeah, now let's talk about mechanics, mechanic yeah. guy. And so, uh, all <laughs> jokes aside, Zach actually does want to kill this drifter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, no, that's, and that's not true at all. Uh, Zach never ever wants to play this drifter again. However, if we're talking about character that you can have uh, your little brother play, or you've got that you've got that one friend that like just doesn't play games but he wants to hang out and drink with you you're like cool play this character because uh you can guide him through just a couple things that he would need to do 
and then he can walk around and basically have persistent buffs uh, of either doing extra damage or being tanky or both, <laughs> whatever you want. Like, uh, you have to set up for a couple turns, and maybe there's some there's some skill involved in uh, when you can set up and, and how it works. But uh, honestly, this character, you set up some persistent buffs, and then you walk around, and your natural attack is four damage and uh minimum 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 like it's he he is not fun to play in that <laughs> it doesn't feel it feels like you it's just resource management um and that resource management i guess could be complicated but it's not half your cards are uh move tokens back on your persistent abilities and so you're just managing your resources and then lumbering around. People don't do damage to you. You do a lot of damage to them. And uh, you're, you're, you're kind of pretty happy with how it goes. All so, right. So if, if I can be the, ever the contrarian, are you cool with that? <laughs> I mean, go nuts. Wyatt loves to uh, move. It's true. Just, just looking at, at him the other night, this feels exactly like my style of character. <laughs> uh, a, because like for two reasons. If I had a friend come over and they're like, I want to grab a beer and learn how to play this game, the drifter's the person I would hand them without a second. Absolutely. That's why I'm saying he, he deserves But also, if we didn't have anyone to teach and it was just us who've all played before and I wanted to grab a beer and not think super hard, the drifter's the guy I would want to play. <laughs> because for anyone who's, who's a little familiar, maybe new um, looking at this game, the, the way a lot of passive abilities work in Gloomhaven is you'll have a card with multiple turns where you're going to get a buff. So it's like on the next four or six uh, attacks that you're going to do, melee attacks, get a plus one damage, something like that. So that's a pretty common thing already in the game. <laughs> the Drifter is chock full of these cards. He gets something like five or six of them at the start of his hand, and then every one of his first three levels that we've seen has another one of them as an option. And so you're always able to look at how do you get these persistent buffs? I think you can have four in place at any given time. And then a lot of his cards, like Zach said, let you reset some of the, or move back the counters. So if I've already done like four of my five attacks, if I get a kill, I can slide one of those counters back and back down to three and get even another bonus turn. And so it's really possible with him to keep boosted and reusing his bonuses more or less through an entire scenario, which is insane. Uh, it's just that's that's the game. the The challenge and strategy of him will be which buffs do you put into place, and then how do you maximize your turns to not lose those buffs. But also, he has six uses on each buff, so you don't have to maximize that hard to have a good time. And he just like loop experience off of using these. So yeah. he seems super fun, a cool way to level up, really accessible. I would rate him as probably uh, challenge wise one of the least challenging starter characters, but fun wise uh, and accessible wise. Uh, really high. Uh, it's Super. Repeat. So, so yeah. I, I, when I, the only thing I wanted to say is I 100% agree that he is great for the game and just having that character that's very strong and uh, like teaches you mechanics and things like that. Uh, the one thing I'll say about this character that I absolutely love that they did is they created one of his perks is a add one flip move back one character token card and it's i don't know how great that is again it's a flip card um that's not doing damage normally however it's so cool that they were willing to add just that new thing to the game and i love that yeah i think that that is crazy and uh, so i mean there are a lot of there are classes this is more or less gives you a as Wyatt said 
options for permanent benefits. You know, some of them might not be permanent. Maybe you, maybe you mismanage your resources, but it gives you the opportunity to have one or two very permanent uh, bonuses. My worry is, and we've seen this with classes in Gloomhaven Classic, that um, there's going to be a right answer, right? So, like, I think of the Mind Thief. That's one of the non-spoiler uh, classes that uses stuff like this. It has his uh, augments, and one, of the, and one of the augments was, hey, on every one of your attacks, you get plus two attack, and that was the right answer. You play that augment, and maybe you give a passing mention to the other augments that come later on, but mostly you play that augment because every one of your attacks gets plus two. And like with the Drifter, I'm like, oh yeah, there's you get you know there's one that gives you plus two move and plus two attack, which means you can just ignore what your cards say and do a move four attack four every round, and that's fine. Um, and then alternative, the music note has a similar um, the music note class from Gloomhaven has a similar uh, uses persistent abilities. Um, I'll say. And yeah, I feel like with the music note, there was definitely a right answer or two <laughs> where you'd be like, okay, yeah, these. Um, I'm going to play one or, the, or these or both of these, and I'm going to be fine. The game's going to be on easy mode. So uh, that's what I worry about with the Drifter is that like it's going to be like, yeah, you should play it, but you should play it this way because it's the right way. Totally. I think it's, again, it will be easy mode. It will, uh, <laughs> there are a couple that are just clearly better than others. Um, and that's okay. Like, I don't mind that at all. Um, I will say, I think I played the two characters that are all about resource management, and one of them is uh, much more forgiving than the other. And uh, this is the forgiving resource management <laughs> character. All right, Wyatt. Yes, Wyatt. Definitely forgiving one. Let's bring you in. All right. Uh, man, uh, do I want to start? Let me start with the thing, not that I disliked, but that was not as appealing to me, so I can end on on a high note. Yeah. Um, so I, I played the Necromancer. <laughs> I believe it's an, an eighth, Aether? Aether? Aether. How, do you, how do you say that? I Aether. would say Aether, Aether, but I also have a lisp, so I'm like, why do you hate me? <laughs> <laughs> Aether, Necromancer. Uh, so in, in the lore, Aethers are like these, cr these creatures, beings, that uh, like were human once upon a time, but then like became incorporeal and traveled the plains and, and they get cool powers. Um, and specifically, this is like power over death. And it's, I'll say this, uh, we're a PG-13 podcast. Is that where we landed? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the art for this character is bitchin'. I think it looks really, really cool from a visual level. Uh, but I'm also a sucker for red and black and that's all over its art design. Um, all that to say, though, that it's kind of an interesting one. So something that Gloomhaven featured was various classes that interacted with summoning creatures in some respects. And the challenge I found, and I still found while playing this, is that summons follow their own rules. They follow monster logic uh, in the game, which means that you don't always get to control what they do, and unpredictability can make, turn an advantage into a disadvantage and vice versa. And so it requires sometimes a lot of thought, and even with that thought, just extra steps to hopefully play well. Um, the other thing, though, that you saw with the, a lot of the characters in Gloomhaven that were summons is their summons were like a single use. You'd summon it, get a couple XP, and then kind of have to shepherd that summon. And if you had to travel very far throughout the level, it could be really hard to keep the summons, like, with you. And so when to use their summons cards, which are often, like, their power cards, was difficult. And so all of that to say that uh, playing this card, their character, there were a few things I noticed right away that I really dug. Um, it gives you a ton of shambling bones summons like you have three of them at the start of the game um so you have a lot of choices for how to play them additionally 
they are not lost cards. So they're not a one and done. You get to summon the the, the little shell, like bone creature. Uh, so it's like you're necromancing up a small bone soldier. Uh, and then you will play with it. And if it dies, you can get that card back. The downside is when you summon a character, you have to give up two health, and you start with six health. So a level one necromancer is very fragile before you start summoning things. Now, those summons can eat hits for you, but if they're eating hits, they might not be doing damage. So immediately, this is, in my mind, one of the more complex characters um, that was present here in the starter classes. Summons inherently have a level of complexity to them that there's a learning curve to. This is more forgiving and that you get to do more summoning more often, but you're also fragile and kind of punished. And so uh, we had a scenario, and we'll go into the specifics of that now, but that was fairly stationary. There's a lot of action happening around you as opposed to you have to move to the action. So I got to enjoy making summons and multiple ones, but that still didn't make them good necessarily. <laughs> and so, um, and we also like, I was, we'd leveled once and I was using some things to boost my health just to make it a little bit easier. I still found it to be a challenge. And so, on the whole, I liked this, uh, but it it came with certain challenges that are, I think, worth being aware of. And if it was me choosing from the six, this is not the one I personally would go to next, but I think James might. Thoughts, guys? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've played the, the majority of the summons in our party, I, I think. And, um, you know, I, you know I, rem- I think back to something you said where it's like, even when the summons were lost cards, right, and people are really bummed to to lose them, uh, lose any summons. Uh, but even when you played a lost card and it and it died, let's say it got an attack off and then it ate a hit, that's a really powerful lost card of just like, oh, okay, I'm gonna negate the next attack that I take that I would normally take, and I'm gonna actually do an attack in the meantime. And with the with the necromancer, you do actually get a little bit of both worlds because. You, you get both of those benefits. Hopefully you get an attack, maybe two if you're lucky. Um, and then and then you get the experience and you get to soak a hit and it's not a loss card. Like, so, I mean, the, the two health is a cost, especially when you're, um, when you're as fragile as a necromancer is. I think le- you said six starting health at level one, like mind thief tier. Uh, very fragile. But, I think that cost is necessary because of how like powerful just that one aspect is like, yeah, the attack's not that strong, but you are still soaking a hit and you can do manipulations to get extra attacks. The, the necromancer has some heals in there. So uh, what I, what I'm saying in a long way is that I agree with you. Um, but I do think that the class can be very, has a lot of potential. It can be very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I, there's does. no, it's, I don't. To me, I'm not surprised to hear that it's Isaac's uh, favorite right now because I think there's a lot of nasty stuff you can do with it. Uh, the one it's thing, also though, fairly poison themed, which is fun. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't remember having a starter class last time that was so poison heavy, um, and that's a, a fun mechanic um, for anyone who hasn't played or it's been a while, like myself. When you inflict poison on somebody, uh, it makes all attacks against them do additional damage, and also they can't heal without first healing poison. So the first time they, the heal is casted, it just removes the poison as opposed to also healing them. So it's a really good way to prevent people from healing while also uh, upping your damage, and it was fun to have a character out the gate that does that. Also, really quickly, uh, just one of the first cards you get at level 2 lets you blow up your summons to create poison clouds all around them. Um, and I think that's super, super fun. And the fact that I can resummon and then keep blowing them up is like 
the best feeling. One final word before I let you weigh in, Zach, is the, um, before I let you, uh, before, <laughs> before you weigh in, Zach, uh, one final word just about, um, because I think on the, on the scale that I referenced before of how easy it is for you to fall on your face, this to me seems like the easiest to do that, which is why I think far from the Geminate, this is probably the one where you got to say, hey, maybe don't play this one on your first go round of the game. Because, yeah, it is easy for you to be like, oh, I'm not doing anything, plus I'm dying because I'm weak and I have to spend my health as a resource. <laughs> yeah, I think I have the Necromancer as the hardest of the six starting um, in, in my head. It's definitely in the, in the harder half. Um, one thing that I'm actually really interested about with the Necro is I wonder if you could play and focus on not summoning at all. Hmm. Um, and that's, oh, like, I, I've been looking through and counting number of cards, and it's it's uh, not, y there's, there's you will do some summoning, but maybe it's just to blow them up and, uh, and poison people. But there's a lot of, like, you can heal your entire party. You can, uh, some of its cards are not your summoned ally, it's just your ally may perform an attack. Um, you can curse the enemy a whole bunch. And so I almost wonder if there's a way to play the Necro that is uh, all, all about helping out the rest of your party and uh, hurting the enemy deck. And if that's the case, this could be incredibly interesting to try that. That's true. This, this reminds me of a, of a secret class, or rather, a, I guess, a spoiler class from the first game in that regard. Uh, and I like that you're pointing this out. A lot of times there's more than one way to skin a cat or build uh, a character in these games. And so that's, I didn't even consider that. When I was playing them, I was just wanting to use all the tools in the summoning tool belt. Uh, but it's interesting to think about those options. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Isaac even said, you know, someone asked, hey, is the necromancer, can necromancer heal herself? And he's like, yeah, but she's better at healing uh, the team. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, you're most right. Most of her heals hurt afterwards. So why heal yourself just to hurt yourself? <laughs> right. Again? Yeah, so, I mean, maybe you <laughs> run around, you throw down a summon uh, to soak some hits, you heal your teammate, and, uh, yeah, you curse the well, enemy. That sounds like a good up. strat. That's right. a good support character. Yeah. Uh, the and... other thing I'll say, oh, go for it, Zach. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I don't know that I've seen somebody else with a <laughs> curse target two, um, just as a, as a, and like you can reuse this card over and over and over. Like that, see, this it feels like uh, you can heal and debuff the enemy, and that seems really fun to go that route. I agree. One thing we haven't talked about much, but it's worth briefly mentioning, especially with this class, is initiative. So in Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, all the Haven games, uh, initiative is determined by the cards that you play. You'll choose two cards. Um, they'll have differing numbers. And when you play, you'll decide which of those is the number that determines your initiative on a scale of 1 to 100. Or I guess 1 to 99. Um, and with summoners, you have to particularly be aware of the fact that when, when things are targeted, tiebreakers are determined by initiative so oftentimes to ensure that your summons get to do things you don't want to go early on the turn because if you go too early and summon something the thing next to you is going to target you or your summon as they're slightly closer and considered one initiative less than you for determining tiebreakers which means that you can make summons early in a round to tank hits but if you really want to get the use out of them and near the end of a round after everyone's already done their stuff you want to make your summons and then go early the next round 
so that your summons get to attack um, before you, so you can hopefully get multiple attacks in, which makes an interesting kind of flow of going fast, <laughs> slow, fast, slow, or potentially uh, slow, fast, fast, depending on the nature of the, of the class and what you're doing. So all of that to say that initiative matters to certain classes in different ways. Everyone plays in that pool, but some people have to use it differently. And this class is interesting in that all the summon cards go really late, which you'd expect, but it doesn't have a lot of fast cards. It's very, very few, at least in a starter kit. So it's hard to go truly slow and then quickly. You can go fastish, but not lightning fast. And so that's just something to be aware of with this, is that they kind of they, they capped its uh, burst damage potential in some interesting ways. So I want to talk about one card. It's a, it's a level four card, I want to say, with the Necromancer. I wonder if you might be able to bring up the title for me. It, it confounded me when I saw it, so I don't know if anyone else brought this up. But Flesh Sealed or Wretched Advance are the two options there. It's the one where you get to play a summon... Play a summon from your a card from your discard pile as the top action, I think. Or, or uh, um, let me. Oh no, no. So it's it's on the it's the action is on the bottom, and it says you can play a play a summon card from your discard pile. Uh, play a card from your discard pile for its summon action. Um, yeah. Which one's that? Uh, grave digging level three. Grave. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was I was so confounded by this card because it itself has a summon on the top of it. So I'm like, why why would I play the bottom action for this? That's just gonna summon. But then I, then of course it occurred to me that that makes it so you have a summon on the bottom, which you could yeah. actually you could actually use that card to summon something. And then most of your commands I think are on the top, so you can summon and command in the same action or summon twice if you have the health for it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, that's a, uh, it's a, it's a cool combo. I think that card's going to be underrated by people who are like, I don't understand. It's just a summon. Um, go for it. Like, it'll be really cool. Yeah. My last thing I'll say on the way out the door with this, this card has a starter card where it's a consume card where if you kill somebody, you instantly summon <laughs> uh, a shambling bones in their place. Yep. Uh, the only downside is you have to have a shambling bone summon in your discard pile, and literally every time I tried to pull off this combo, I just rested and couldn't. So you got to plan ahead. But I love the imagery of like running up, hitting somebody in the face, and then immediately raising their corpse to go fight your. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, on that note, the uh, the class I played uh, first actually it was is has a lot to do with uh, you know people dying. Uh, <laughs> it's a a Volrath Volrath Deathwalker. And Volraths are typically, throughout the course of Gloomhaven, very, um, let's call them pugnacious. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they, love to, they love to fight. They love to be, go in the heat of the battle. And I think the Deathwalker is kind of like, you know, has been through the years of, of, of Deathwalking, uh, of Volrathing, and is like, man, there's a lot of, uh, I've, d I've done a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> if I remember correctly, Valraths are like demon but like so far down and descended that they're like kind of good people and they feel pretty bad about that demon past of theirs so they all have like a survivor's guilt or like a demon guilt i mean like, think like angel from buffy but like a whole race the, the death walker is like a like a catholic priest from what i understand lots of guilt you know going around leading reading people oh, their dear. last rites um <laughs> they yeah so what they the death walker's core mechanic is what's called shadow tokens um a lot of their cards will say like attack from a hex with a shadow as though you're occupying a hex with a shadow token or attack an enemy that's adjacent to a shadow token some class some cards will require you to remove a shadow token to get a, a good bonus problem is you don't start with any shadow tokens um so there's a there's a few ways to uh get them uh you have a persistent ability that 
lets you it gains you two experience, but it's a lost card. Anytime you kill an enemy, you get a, you get to place a shadow token in its spot. That's cool. Uh, also, kind of it, it, in Gloomhaven, it, it, it ask anyone who's played it. It is hard to guarantee that you get a kill. Uh, especially, you know, you have your friends who will roll a crit sometimes, and then it's you know that they got the they got the kill and you didn't. Um, and then you have uh, one card in your starting that's just like, oh, okay, for free you can just place a shadow token in the bottom hex. The problem is that's the bottom half of your persistent ability. So you're like, what do I do? Do I play this first and then play the persistent ability later? And then there's one lost card that lets you uh, immediately place two shadow tokens. I think within range three. Um, so when I played it in our scenario, I went with the lost card that lets you place two shadow tokens, and then the lo- and then the single use the discard card that lets you place just one shadow token. So I just immediately started out the gate with three shadow tokens, and I felt pretty good. And then there was a, a spot where I was able to, we had a kind of a break in between in between uh, rounds where I was able to, oh, in between rooms, yeah, uh, where I was able to play the persistent ability out and then that felt good because once that's out and you have a good engine to start doing big attacks on people you can pretty much just you spend a shadow again, token that persistent ability that you mentioned is when you kill somebody they create a summon token where they die a shadow token yes yeah okay so and that creates kind of a good engine where if you have a shadow token out already you can use that shadow token to kill an enemy basic with with a good attack and then they create another shadow token and then you just rinse repeat um, there are a couple of really good cards that I've seen that require at least one that requires two shadow tokens. There's also cards that re- require you that allow you to um, it will uh, rem- remove two or get more bonuses for multiple shadow tokens. But you can actually get a lot of mileage out of just you know spending a shadow token to gain a shadow token, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And also one thing about this class that I did not anticipate is the amount of loot you can get <laughs> just being able to teleport to shadow tokens. I think there's two different non-lost cards that let you teleport to shadow t- tokens that are very good. Um, so Especially yeah. because shadow tokens are often spawning where someone died. Yeah. <laughs> so like you kill someone, the token appears, you teleport to their body, you get the money for teleporting there and then you keep fighting. I was very impressed with the class actually. It was a fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think I was nervous about the, Oh, how, how quickly am I going to be able to set up an engine to continuously create shadow tokens? Am I going to run out? Am I going to feel useless? And I think at this point that that is an overreaction because I honestly think there are multiple ways to really do so. I've even read strategies where people play the top card that the top action, the active ability where you kill a, kill a monster, gain a to- get a shadow token. And then the bottom, which lets you, before any action, remove a shadow token to get either plus two attack or plus two move. They're both persistent abilities that just stay on for the rest of the game. I think that one's a little harder to manage, but it is kind of like balls to the walls where you're like, okay, I'm going to be spending shadow tokens to just get a, pl- a permanent plus two attack and then use that to gain more shadow tokens. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that one's that's fun and I want to try it, but overall, this is probably going to be my class of choice when we actually sit down to play. Yeah, I so I think that the Deathwalker is one of the coolest classes that they created. Um, he's He's super, super interesting. I put him in my uh, top half of the most complicated characters of the yep. starters. Um, uh, and, but he is really cool. Um, I think shadow management is interesting <laughs> um, and just kind of, but it did not seem as uh, daunting as, as I expected it to be at first. Yeah, um, I think when I first saw him, both the I, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a girl. 
Oh, is it? I think. With her. When I yeah. when I first saw the Necromancer and I saw the Death... Uh, what's it called? Deathwalker. Deathwalker. The, initially, they seem similar to me, right? It's like we've got a Necromancer that's summoning bodies and we have a, a thing that creates souls and fights with souls. That <laughs> the, How are these different? And seeing them in action, I loved that the Deathwalker felt like you got some of the fun of summons, but without having to worry about summon rules. So, like, you had to manage <laughs> those shadows... But you got a lot of perks of those shadows, and there was just it was a cool type of currency to be exchanging and using. So I was I was like I said, I looked at that one. I'm not really interested, and it seems kind of daunting. And after you played it, I was like, this is actually super cool. And I see it kind of like the Mind Thief when we first started Gloomhaven. I was like, yeah, Mind Thief seems dumb. And by the time I saw James really like lean into it and make it his own, I, but like late game Gloomhaven, I was like, I'm rolling up a high level Mind Thief because that seems super fun, and I want to try it. So I could see myself doing the same thing with the, the Shadow or Deathwalker. Yeah. So I mean, the, and there's so many cards to be able to move shadows too. Like it's it's pretty easy. I mean, they're they're gross moves too. Like three to five um and i think some of these are non-losses um i'd have to i haven't looked at the cards in a bit um and that that really uh helps with your mobility but the other thing is that what i found out is you can like you're fragile i think you're the same health health pool as the necromancer but you can hang back because a lot of your attacks are like i'm going to attack from the shadow token that's five hexes away from me like hi guys you could you do the fight i'll join it i'll join when there's loot i'll be right there <laughs> Not that there's any X-Men fans here, but it kind of reminded me of Nightcrawler. I mean, yeah. X-Men are bad and Nightcrawler's dumb, but like... <laughs> I, 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 how, how dare you? <laughs> I just I just wanted you to take the bait. I'm sorry. <laughs> just go. This, you're no longer in this podcast. <laughs> Won't be the first time I'm kicked out, nor the last. Bye, everybody. All right. Uh, well. So my, my other character that I played, uh, I think we're following a theme in that uh, this is... This is definitely the character I plan on playing. Uh, he is uh, definitely in, I think, the top half of complicated characters. He's the last that, that makes up the top half. I expect um, large financial contributions from both of you for taking all these cool characters. <laughs> <and starters. laughs> uh, I, the, the character you're going to go over is, is my alternate. Um, That's fair. That's fair. As, uh, then. But so it's the, the Quattro Blink Blade. And so because I didn't know about my other character because he was a dumb Inox, I know about <laughs> good, uh, good. And only because I read them while you guys were talking. So uh, Quattrols are basically uh, gnomes, and uh, that's all you need to know. So uh, I just want, let, let's, let's redo, let's, we're going to rebrand this podcast, and it's going to be Zach Explains Gloomhaven Races. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Quattrol, they're basically gnomes, but they, and, uh, you know how gnomes, oftentimes, they like them being steampunk? Well, Quattrols, they're, like, fancier steampunk. Future punk. Yeah. Uh, but still totally, like, they're totally steampunk gnomes, just more futuristic. Um, they're awesome. I, this is not saying anything bad about them. I love gnomes. Um, half of my good friends were gnomes. Um, so... Uh, the thing about the Blink Blade is it is all resource management. Um, and so it has this new mechanic that is fast and slow. And so uh, what you do is anytime you take a slow action, you get a fast counter. And you can then do your fast moves. Um, what and it does start mean, with one counter, right? Uh, or two. I, I think you start with one counter. Yeah, you start with one. Um, but it's... a uh, this character is is fascinating. Um, 
the reason I would rate him higher on the difficulty is because you cannot just decide, I am only thinking about this turn and this is what I'm going to do this turn. You absolutely need to be planning out your next turn, the turn after that, um, because keeping your, your economy as far as uh, the number of fast tokens that you have is really important. Um, the other thing that I figured out about this character is to play him well, it is important to figure out how to be effective with your slow actions. Not all of his slow cards are bad. He's got some great slow action cards, um, but all of the fast actions are nuts. Um, you want to go really fast and do a bunch of damage, that's a fast action. And so anytime you're able to use one of those charges, you're going to do good things. Um, and so it's going to really be about how can you maximize every time you're doing a slow action. So uh, that being said, you want to play a uh, techno steampunk gnome rogue assassin dude. This is your guy. He, uh, he will run around and stab people very, very hard and uh, try not to uh, stay there and die because he doesn't really like being targeted. So I mean, his, um, but what were we gonna say? Well, I was gonna say that his, well, I think his claim to fame uh, is being able to have the fastest initiative in all of Gloomhaven and Frosthaven. And one of his is it is that is one of his base cards or is it a level a high, level two or three or four card? It was uh, it's card. an X card. Oh, an X card. Yes, with it. If you play it fast, it's a uh, level one. It's initiative one. And remember, yep. you win ties with with monsters. So if you can ever play that, you will guarantee that you go first. <laughs> the other really interesting thing about it is uh, if you need to go very, very fast, that same card actually will take move from your allies and <laughs> yeah. uh, let you move further. So if you are playing in a party of four, uh, you can move six with it. So yeah, if there's like a lot of loot on the ground and you're like, I don't want my my team, my party members to be able to get to this, I'm going to sap their movement and take off. <laughs> <laughs> Or, uh, yes. you know, if you know your team's not moving. <laughs> yeah, A yeah, couple yeah. really interesting mechanical things about this that I observed. The first is you get one slow token at the start, and then every time you take a slow action, you can save a slow token up to only a maximum of two through saving them. But then you can get more than those two. I think it goes up to five, four or five, think by, four. Playing, by playing other cards. And so figuring out how to maybe play slow to get two saved up and then play a couple cards to accrue more of them quickly so you can play like then multiple turns back to back fast is an interesting way to play this character i will say in terms of complexity earlier we talked about the geminate and how it's got 14 cards uh you know half go in one hand the other half go in your other hand you have two hands you're kind of switching back and forth between these bug personalities this is a character where almost every one of its cards is in fact all of them are pulling some sort of double duty the text is pretty cramped you've got what happens when you're fast what happens when you're slow it is what i was worried about with the geminate which is <laughs> i have to know two separate things at all times and so like you have to kind of be prepared for your card what it does when you're fast what it does when you're slow uh which version you want and also it has two initiatives printed on every one of its cards and so depending on whether you're going fast or slow determines which of those initiatives you're going to be using and because, obviously, the fast one's always a higher number than the slow one, the turns where you choose to play fast, you are going fast. There's really no way around it, which means you're always going to be a little bit more likely to be attacked than your other players. 
Um, and so I do like that this is an assassin type character, but they gave it middling health. Most classes in Gloomhaven either have like a small, medium, or large health pool that scales as they level. And this is definitely in the medium category, which I appreciated that we didn't get another just assassin with low health. We got somebody that's able to take hits with the expectation that they might be fighting. So, Zach, what do you think on my on my scale of uh, how easy it is to to fall in your face? Because I do agree that it's complicated. There's lots of resource management, but I'm I didn't play it, so I don't know. Like, do you think that if you picked up this class, you could just either do nothing or die very easily? Yes. So, uh, you if you were to if there's a group of people and you're like, I have one fast token, and my very first thing is run all the way to them and do this one cool attack, <laughs> then you will die. <laughs> Yay. Uh, and the other thing that you can do is if you're if you're not planning things well somebody's like oh hey we really need somebody to be able to uh move really really fast and kill that one person to save our life and you're like yeah sorry man i got no no charge token so uh <laughs> i'm out this time and uh you guys have fun i'm gonna do something slow and uh next turn i can save them i know that doesn't help you but next turn i can <laughs> um yeah, yeah I, I think that makes sense I think I think this character is is complicated. Um, I didn't think he was going to be as complicated actually when I um, <laughs> started playing him, but as I played him, like it's not like it's a crazy amount of options. Typically, fast and slow just means uh, you're going to move for faster or slower or, or things like that. But just not being able to do anything. Um, like not being able to do everything on your cards each time does make it a bit more complicated and you have to be prepping on what's going to be important to use. Yeah, so. that makes sense. Um, one last thing that we noticed about this class that's fun is when you long rest, you can declare slow. So anytime you long rest, you can save up a fast token. Yep. And um, that's but we, we thought it was uh, complicated now. Do you, do you remember seeing the prototypes, Wyatt? The pro the pro no, I don't. I don't. Okay, so the prototypes of this card, they they didn't. You know how all the the words that say fast are on the left side and the slow is on the right side. The initiatives, uh -huh. for whatever reason, were swapped. The initiative numbers. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so it would say it would say fast sixty two, slow one, and you're like, what? I don't wait. What? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, fortunately, I'm glad they've, they fixed they've changed that. that. Yes. Are we uh, ready to cover the last of these characters? We have more to say. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Bring us home, so, Chewy. <laughs> oh, man. The the last one of these is the Human Banner Spear. Uh, humans are pretty cool. Most people don't know what a human is. Um, so in Gloomhaven, no, I'm just kidding. The people, they're just they're vanilla people. It's fine. You've, you've seen a human. You've seen them all. Uh, I haven't seen many humans lately, actually. One thing that's interesting, uh, do we find... Isaac's comments about the breakdown of races of this game, a spoiler. Should I not say this, or can I say this? No, no you can say it. Yeah. Okay, so Isaac has confirmed that the uh, the original starting races from Gloomhaven will only have one class each in this game, and that the new classes will get a couple each, which I think are new new races will get a couple each, which okay. I think is cool. But it does mean this is our only human in the game. So, so actually, he confirmed that that all of Gloomhaven classes, ex with exception of the Necromancer, will only have one iteration. <laughs> yeah, because the necromancer was brought in from from Jaws Alliance, so it's kind of an interloper in that in that regard. But yeah, so that, you can break that down oh, how okay. you how you want. But yeah, interesting, cool. So uh, so yeah, we've got here the uh, the banner spear. 
this class is interesting. When I first looked at it, I thought to myself, it's a tank. I know how to play tanks. I'm going to do great. I ran forward in front of the group and got hit like three times, and it was a really bad time. And I was reminded that in Gloomhaven, there's kind of no tanks. Uh, <laughs> that, that health loss is bad, and anytime you can kill a creature or avoid death, don't just take hits because you can or you think you're cool. It'll suffer later. So, accepting the first like 10 minutes, uh, I had a chance to sit down with this class, and the Banner Spear is really interesting because it is one part just a pretty straightforward uh, range attacks and stabby fellow, but with the uh, caveat that almost all of your move abilities, and there's a lot of really powerful, or sorry, attacks, a lot of your attacks, there's a lot of powerful attacks. Um, Gloomhaven will often print a grid on a card with some sort of attack that has to do with like uh, maybe attack three people in an arc in front of you or two people side by side or in the line, that sort of thing. A lot of these are really cool attacks, but they require you to have an ally specifically placed either behind you or to your side or on the other side of a character. So there's this new dimension to so many of these powerful attacks, which is in order to do this attack, you need to have the enemies in a certain spot and your ally in a certain spot. Now, if you're playing with a team and you have good friends, that might not be super hard, but it definitely does require a level of strategy that was, I was surprised, there was, this was more complex than I expected it to be when I sat down to play it. Um, and so really maximize a lot of my moves required communicating and planning as a team, uh, except this is also a summoner class, but it's a very different type of summoner bit, class. Yeah. You, you're, the, you're the banner spear and you can bring banners. And think of these as like, I think totems maybe, like. Um, yeah. I don't know a lot about WoW, but I think that uh, classes with totems exist, like druids or something. Shamans. Uh, shamans, that's what it is, shamans. So this is kind of a shaman-esque class where um, you can make these totems, but the totems, they're not like a lot of the other summons I've seen before in the Gloomhaven uh, games. Most summons are like kind of low to middling health. They attack, they do damage, whatever. These are all pretty high health, but they don't move. And so you you stick a totem in the ground and you say, rally to me. And then maybe it's uh, everyone gets a shield or everyone gets a heal or whatever. Um, and so it becomes interesting where like the totem can take a hit or two, much like any other summon, but they're not resummonable. They're a one-time use like the old summons of yore. Uh, but they have a persistent effect. It's like in range two. Um, and that's fascinating. <laughs> uh, and so... I really like this character in terms of you start a scenario, you figure out what you think the action is going to be, and then you want to get there kind of as fast as possible, drop totems, and then start just like trying to create a, a king of the hill zone with this character where you're buffing and you're fighting. But like there was a totem I played really early on that healed me and everyone around me and being able to play that was really cool. And like, if I could do that with the summoner, I could see sort of the necromancer. I could see so many combinations with the necromancer and this character where you would kind of leave the healing totem by the necromancer and just say, Hey, summon as much as you want. We'll <laughs> heal you as you go. Uh, and so like, I really like this class. It's on the one hand, kind of straightforward, but the totems are cool. They're a new dimension. Cause they're really about area control, which is different than a lot of what Gloomhaven has done before. But yeah, uh, you guys can talk now. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying first, this. First thing I want to say is, I just want to clarify, I never played WoW. I just played a lot of Hearthstone. <laughs> I know he he saw me shaking my head. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, the, the things that I would say about this class is that it is probably my second favorite of the starting classes. Um, I really, really, I, I really like the, the banners. Um, I think that's super cool. 
Um, I also like that you can use these banners to set up your attacks. Um, so you just place them in one place, and that's your ally in a in a space, and then you can attack people in different places. So you can either play with your with your team and and uh, plan out your attacks like that, or your summons are are bottom actions, which is just not normal. And so yeah. you can just put that there and then stab three people um, because you're like buffed by your banner. Um, I love the idea of this class. I really like just having a bunch of attacks in different arcs um, or hitting multiple people. Also can just do a ton of damage, um, which is great. Um, that doesn't feel like a tank character, but it does feel like a um, a that that knight character that goes and pumps out a ton of damage because they like stabbing people. Uh, also, the coolest things about this character is it does have two summons that you can use again. That's what um, I was. That that's what I was going to point time. out. Yeah, <laughs> just it, for it clarification. Has summon, re summon reinforcement. And then also, uh, it's level four if you chose. You can get a summon train falcon, um, which are uh, I don't know. That just is cool that you've got those as resummonable. I, I personally yeah, think that both, those are going to be, weak, but fairly cool. I personally think those are going to be the some of the highest value cards in for the banner spear because you know I thought I was I, I keep thinking back to this uh, video I saw recently. It was really funny, kind of like a. It was a parody of every scoundrel player. If you remember the scoundrel, it had like really good bonuses for if you're an ally was standing next to him. So it, all the time it would be like, "Are you gonna stand next to that guy over there?" <laughs> so and in this case, I'm like, "I'm like, are we gonna just gonna have another one with this new mechanic where you can pull off these really powerful AOE effects as long as you have an ally next to you?" But I mean, you have one at your starting level, and once you hit level four, you'll have two where you can just say, "You know what? I'm gonna make my own ally next to me. I don't have to worry about where my where my uh." Uh, where my allies, where my human allies are gonna, you know, stand. I can just plant one next to me, make this huge AOE attack, and be golden. I think that's really, really well designed. And, yep. and again, you can do that with a banner. Also, you don't have to. Yeah, do yeah, yeah. But that's a lost card. Allies. Yeah. I do think that this class, more than some of the others I've seen, would really benefit from being able to see the scenario board before deciding what cards they want to play because they don't even know the specifics of where monsters spawn or that sort of thing. But if you're looking at like a big room versus a whole bunch of territory, knowing if you need to build for a banner spear that can travel versus a banner spear that's going to be kind of holding one area is going to affect the cards I choose when I go into the level uh, or go into the scenario. But yeah, I was, I was a big fan of this and I, I definitely like this class. I played it and felt like I could easily play this again and be happy <laughs> while doing it. It also gets the higher health pool, which is good, but it only gets 10 cards, so it's kind of interesting. It has a smaller hand size than some of the others you might see. Yeah, so you do have to be careful about those lost cards. That's why, that's again why I think, you know, using those non-lost summons to set up your good attacks is going to be great for you. And it just as a note on that, too, some of those non-lost non -lost summons, um, maybe they're hard to get rid of, and that's a, that's a problem for you, uh, but at any time, you can actually treat your active cards as discarded. I think either anytime or only when you're resting. But in either case, you can you can return that back to your discard pile if you know it's stuck in, you know, the first room in a four room scenario and you can't get it back. You don't you're not stuck there. That's good to know. So yeah, uh, any other thoughts about this guy before we move on? 
I think, uh, you know, Zach, you had said earlier, I think that, that the banner spear is going to be the class that's like important that everyone have, but no one's going to want to play. I, I don't, I don't know that I uh, agree with that too much anymore. Having seen it in action, I think it's yeah. a, a really fun class to play. That would be really I, important. I, again, I, I'm, I already said that's my at number two class for sure of the starting six. Um, so yeah, based on what you've seen so far, what's your number one and number two that you want to play, and what's the one you know you don't want to play right now? Yeah, so Blink Blade, Banner Spear, and I know I don't want to play the Drifter. James, um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to play Blink Blade. <laughs> um, so I, I would. I would go with. Um, I would go with the two I played, uh, Deathwalker, Geminate, and yeah, I don't really want to play the Blink Blade. That's you know, seems fun, but whatever. I like the Blink Blade. I don't know if it's on my top character. I need to actually sit down with it. I definitely enjoy the concept. Um, I think, though, that the the both the Banner Spear and the Drifter are really appealing to me as early classes. Uh, and, you know, I'm a level with you. I don't think the Necromancer is the one I would want to right out the bat, uh, to be honest. I, it's fine. It's cool. I like a lot of what it can do. I still don't want to have to manage those bony boys. No, don't I, don't I shame. No in the Necromancer. Don't don't shame Wyatt <laughs> for his his lack of affinity for summons. It's fine. You you're you're allowed to have that have that opinion. <laughs> now I have one final end cap spoiler discussion for us. All right. Uh, that we're gonna rate somewhere between a DefCon two and like a DefCon five. Uh, I'll explain what the what it is, and then sure. you can all bow out if you want. But one last thing for anyone who's made it this far, and we appreciate you for doing so. I know there's not a commute for you to be involved in anymore, so <laughs> thanks. Um, there's a contest going on for Team Algox, Team whatever they're losing, the crab <laughs> people, and then Team Team Robots uh, right now. Uh, I am hoping that James edits this episode and gets it out before the Kickstarter's over, so that we can be counted in the tally of points. But I would like the the name of whatever this is to be like shelf life frosthaven episode two Hashtag. team algox forever <laughs> and then whatever we actually want to call it i'd like our points to go towards team algox because the algox and the unfettered the robots are like neck and neck right now oh really and i want algox to win baby i'm wait, all about the wait. algox life wait 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 talk to me about why anything is cooler than robots Yetis are cooler than robots. There's, there's a descent in our ranks. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I like Yetis are sweet. Don't get me wrong, but robots, not just any robots, ice robots. <laughs> They're not going to be ice robots. They're ice Yetis, and then other non-ice robots. They're, I will they're robots that... that live in the mountains. They're so I'll... cool. I'll concede that if there's an ice robot, maybe it could be cool, but there's no proof. I know for a fact Algox are either snow boys yeah. or icy boys, and I, I support icy boys every day of the week. Give me frost, like frost, uh, I don't know, berserker. I want to be a frost berserker real bad. Uh, I'd hate, I hate to I hate to pick sides, but I think I'd, I think I have to go Yetis on this one, so... You know, yes. but if you're if you're not comfortable, you know, making our podcast hashtag Team Algox, then you know, no, no, can... go nuts. Just other people know that this was under duress. <laughs> yeah, what, should, should Isaac listen this far to our podcast? Jokes on us. Uh, then I guess points for Zach. Yeah, but but Isaac's gonna listen to us, and he's gonna be like, "Wow, that one person made such good points. <laughs> Screw this, the robots, they win." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, th I think his favorite was actually the crab people. So, 
I actually, I'm on board with crab people also. They're, they're just getting destroyed in the polls. It's like, it's like we're, we're too used to a two-party system, and immediately the crab people were the third party, and it was like, get out of here, Green Party. Jill Stein, what are you Jill doing Stein. on the ballot? <laughs> She's just like, come into the water, join me, crab people. <laughs> Votes like crab is a people. Anyway, um, so the, the brief spoiler-filled discussion here is today, Isaac released the icons or at least the working icons oh. for the last 10 classes um and so we are going to look at the picture <laughs> talk about what we think maybe they could be based just off of the picture alone which means that we could successfully do spoilers or we could be completely wrong and let's be honest we're probably going to be wrong um but if you don't want to know a thing check out now if you want to know about our wild speculations on a few images on a card then that's in the podcast channel guys here on discord feel free to take a look at that and uh we're gonna jump right into that oh it's, so, in, it's in the channel uh, leave or stay it's yeah. already it's already printed i've yeah. got it for you oh perfect all right so there's there's 10 of these uh i've already got my thoughts so i'm do you want me to share them because i've already thought about this before you go or do you want to jump right in uh let's go one at a time and you can Okay, uh, let's just go with the very first one. This like coils with like snowflakes. I'm confident this is one of the Algox, and it's the snowy Algox. You really? I think I think you're reading into that. That I, I think we gotta call it a flurry. By the way, flurry is what I think that is. Oh, a flurry. Okay, I could see that. I don't know. It almost looks like I, I didn't. I didn't think weather when I first looked at that. I don't know. Uh, maybe I should have because it's Frosthaven. Um, but you know, those are I think like dizzy, you know. <laughs> like a... So I definitely thought like a tornado when I first saw it, but then I thought better of it and I realized it's actually a spring. And this is actually going to be the first Jack in the Box character. <laughs> Quattrol attaches himself into a box. Box no. opens, Quattrol jumps out. And no no the, more Quattrols. The, the little uh, the little stars around it are just your surprise when it comes out of the box. <laughs> All right, so this is henceforth known as Jack in the Box. <laughs> no, I mean I do think you're probably on the on something with the flurry, and I think being a snow algox is a, is a good idea there. So, um, all right, why don't you guys pick next? All right, I'm, I'm gonna go with the the bear trap looking thing. You know who I'm thinking? A vermling. Oh no! No. <laughs> uh, a little bit of spoilers, but from the but you don't even have to have to go that far. But I think like there are some there are some vermlings who are down with the beasts, and some vermlings who really aren't. <laughs> and uh, yeah, maybe I think it's gonna be kind of could be kind of a cool trap based class. Um, could get some bonuses for kills, things like that. You know, maybe like some sort of trophy style system. I would, lo I would love to see that. I think the Vermling, you know, hunted becomes a hunter. I think that's my that's my thing there. Thoughts, so I, I see why you'd say that, and everything you say makes sense. But what if that's actually <laughs> a spotlight, and this is a fade-out to where we get Batman? My God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I agree it's a trap. Uh, I'm mostly trying to figure out what race I think this is associated with. And, you know, Vermley could be right. I'll be upset if you're right, if you called it right here right now. And I hate the idea that this would be in conflict with some of my favorite class from Haven. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I buy that as a possible reading here. All right, Zach. Uh, 
I'll I'll go next uh, with the the Cthulhu tentacle clamshell one. Uh, yeah. So I think I think this will end up being called clamshell or seashell when all is said and done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. That looks like a mushroom head or a tree or something. But I see yeah, like no, maybe it's, like a broccoli. It's not, it looks like a shell. It looks like a shell with like uh, algae growing on it, and uh, but I think like is this not just a mushroom cloud? Sorry, with like you know with all the fire around it. Maybe I'm. Nah, no, it's a seashell. It's, all right. It's totally um, and actually it's some kind of like a a, a <laughs> like dark shell. And for uh, any of like the two listeners still with us, James just doesn't know this because he can't eat any sort of seafood or shellfish. So true. he's never seen Yeah, we get our introduction to Cloyster. Cloyster? <laughs> I do think this is absolutely one of the unfettered, and it's gotta be like a defensive themed unfettered. Yeah, I actually really like, not, yeah. not not unfettered. What what's the name of the crab people? They are lurkers. Lurkers, yeah. Lurkers. This is going to be, yeah, a defensive-based lurker. I'm, I'm... And I, I think it will have probably some really cool things where when it opens up, it does extra damage, and then when it closes, it will uh, be extra tanky. And I like, be, I like that that'd idea. That'd be cool. So, uh, one class. So there's orchids. We haven't had. We we need to think about which one's the orchid. Mm, I have two thoughts about that actually. And which one? So my question: Which one's the orchid? Which one's the savas? <laughs> I think mm. savas is comet. Really? Because I was pretty sure the savas was that that crystal-looking growth in the bottom center. See, very well could be. I was, you know, it, it, we're in the we're in the same same uh, thought process with some sort of you know nature rock you know elemental style thing uh, with the savas. Um, you know, being a one that uh, one control. I think in the base game, one Savas controlled one particular element, and there was another Savas that controlled many. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I think like getting you know big, bigger, biggest. You know, going into space with the comet. I think I think that's my that's my thought process there. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. I am calling it now. Mm -hmm. Whatever. <laughs> this chain character is is gonna be awesome. <laughs> uh, I think I think I'll probably go with prisoner. Uh, I'm I'm no idea anything else about it, but I think I like it already. Yeah, I definitely think it is a someone who just escaped from jail and uh, just wants to punch people. Or uh, yeah, I, like I I I like the idea of someone who just escaped from jail and is just going to be punching people using their fists. Wait. So one thing, one thing that I think is interesting with the question here. So, I think that first flurry one is definitely one of the algox. Yep. What do you think the other algox is? Because mm. it's gonna be two. Well, what's this weird, like, you know, corpse-looking thing? You know, it looks like a, a dead voodoo doll. Oh no, no, no! I'll tell you what that, I know what that is. It's not that one. I will. I'll tell you what that is in a second. Oh, you know? Okay. Well, uh, then it could be just the fist, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. It's just I think. Boy. I think that's an icy fist. Right. I oh. think that's ice around a fist. As I've looked at it more, so I'm it, pretty sure that yeah. It's also the logo for like a video game company. Um, it does look like the Sucker Punch logo now that you say that. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so it could just be some, you know, they got some help from that company and 
they got to make a logo. Well, I mean, the the <laughs> this class nine in in Gloomhaven was the the Ubisoft logo. So I don't know that. I think they're just uh, taking some creative licenses. Um. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure that'll be uh, a very melee-based ice uh, person, and I'm playing the shit out hmm. of it. You know, but actually, maybe maybe the chain class is the Vermling, and then the bear trap is one of the Algox, right? You know, they're Yetis. They're they they're sick of being tra- being trapped. You know, <laughs> they don't like stepping in traps, so now gonna... they trap others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm in. It. Then Vermling, you know, whatever. They're always up to stuff. They're dirty rats. Escape from jail. I... I disagree. I mean, I like that. I think they could easily be the Vermling is the uh, the person with the 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 things. I would love it if we get like a Vermling though that's like health starts at ten and scales up, and he's like the Rat King. That would be <laughs> fine by me. But no, I think if anything, if there are Yetis that are tired, it's going to be like a honeypot situation. And this is like some sort of like sexy base magic where the Yeti tries to lure you in and then reveals that actually it's been a Yeti the whole time and you're its <laughs> So I mean, Drill is clearly a robot, right? Like that's clearly a robot I, I class, think so. you know, and, un- and probably a robot unicorn. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. Uh, like, like think, think that, think Black that, unicorn. like robot unicorn attack uh, game. It's that, um, and uh, just the sponsorship is nuts in this game, by the way. Um, it's true, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a robot, and it has a drill horn. Um, and so it could be a rhino instead of a unicorn, but I'm really crossing my fingers for unicorn. It's it's Beedrill. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right, I love it. So uh, don't leave me in suspense. Tell me what this dead ragdoll is. Okay, that is a piece of coral, good sir. Coral from the ocean. That is the other one of the uh, lurkers, and I think that is specifically a lurker that does psionic electric attacks. They've oh. talked about how. Uh, they're going to have that the lurkers as a whole, they, they communicate telepathically. So I think this will be like an offensive psionic stun people's brains uh, based character based on the art. That sounds incredibly rad. And I want to be a psychic lightning crab. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I'm right, I'm going to actually be a little disappointed that there was too much like imagery for me to go on here. And I wish they'd given me just a little less. <laughs> Well, that's that's fine. That's fine. You can go the complete opposite and say it's the the harrower uh, voodoo uh, witch doctor. <laughs> and so uh, you've got a harrower witch doctor that that is uh, just gonna really mess people up. He can only kill one, like target one person at a time, but he does really really great things against them. Genius. Uh, what do we have left? We got we haven't really settled on the comet, but I think it's probably an orchid, which is like a plant-based uh, sorcerer. See, I, I, I think we are right that the comet and the crystals; those are orchid and savas in some. We just order. don't know which is which. We, don't, we, I, we don't agree upon which is which, but yeah, I think I think we are right about those. Um, and then Punchy Boy and uh, Swirlies are 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 the Algox. Mm-hmm. Workers are the two ocean-based ones. Yeah. The other robot has to be the shield, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so both of the robots, the, the lurker, no, sorry, the unfettered, I think are the bottom right to the, the shield and the drill. And then that just leaves the uh, vermling. Are, aren't we getting another Aether? Uh, yes, we're getting yeah, another Aether. Okay. So, so I Arguing kind of think that the, the other Aether is... Oh, the voodoo. I mean realistically it could be that shield um okay hold on hold on 
I, I like Acer Witch we know, Doctor. We, we know gonna... there's a Savas, right? Yeah. There's going to be one Savas for sure. There's going to be one Vermilion for sure. There's going to be guaranteed one Acer, maybe more. No, there's, uh, there's one. There's one Acer. Because there's the the so the remaining the remaining classes are two of each of the two of each of the the new classes which say two lurkers two algox two unfettered, and then so of these is, of these ten that we're looking at yes. six are taken away right there six so are taken away right there then the other four are savas orchid, acer and vermling. Okay, oh, so we're not getting another hardware. We are not getting another hardware, nope. but that's why I'm like I I like acer witch doctor for that little uh, thing that's going on there. I like that a lot, and I like algox for the trap and the swirly. <laughs> All right, all right. We'll see if Wyatt was right again. It's too hard to tell. <laughs> I, I totally think that is coral, and uh, I'm I'm on Look, the... James doesn't understand I don't the even, ocean. I don't know what coral is. <laughs> <laughs> you ever watch Finding Nemo, my guy? I, th- I still think that uh, that shell that you're talking about is a mushroom cloud. Like, there's going to be a nuclear <laughs> class, all right? <laughs> we need... All right, if you had to pick two of these to be water-based, what are your choices and why? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you could drill in the water, all right? It's underwater drilling. <laughs> Okay, we got Halliburton over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any other thoughts before we wrap this up, gentlemen? No, I thought that was fun, though. Okay. Well, yeah. Th- thanks for playing, everybody. If you've hung out this far, uh, like us, rate us, review us, private message us. Uh, you can email <laughs> us. What's the email? Yeah, we're at uh, coltstandardpodcasting at gmail.com. I know it's complicated, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's the only thing I could get. It's the only thing I could get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, coldstandardpodcasting at gmail.com. Um, I just don't want that anyone to email us. That can't be our email address. That's our email address. Um, and you can find us, uh, Colt, no, no, did I say Colt Standard Podcasting? Is that what I said? Yeah, two times. <laughs> oh, two separate shelf, times. Shelf Life Podcasting. Sorry. <laughs> That's my, sorry. I'll cut, I'll cut, I'll cut that I, out. Again, no, again James, James does two podcasts, <laughs> and uh, you don't want to listen to the other one. Choice. Oh, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Shelf Life Podcasting at, at gmail.com. That's us. <laughs> you can find us at shelflifegaming.podbean.com. Uh, and you can find this podcast hosted there or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on um, Spotify. And we're, we're probably on all those obscure podcast apps. If we're not, please let us know. Um, I already got to help someone out in Reddit thread with that. So uh, anything else, and just let us know. We'll, we'll work on it. And uh, until next episode, when we record it, once we feel like we know something to talk about, uh, thanks for listening.